0: Welcome to the audio podcast of the sermons from First Reformed Church in Edgerton, Minnesota. For more information on First Reformed, go to edgertonfrc.org or our Facebook page. One of the best attributes that you and I can have is to be self aware, it can help you to avoid a lot of embarrassing situations and also, hopefully, keep you from opening your mouth when you probably shouldn't. But even if you are the most self-aware person in the world, this is still really hard. You can easily find yourself in, in those circumstances where you just can't keep quiet, or you might find yourself doing whatever it is that you said that you wouldn't do or say again. Now, probably the best reason to be aware of yourself and know who you are, and know what you do, is to avoid being a hypocrite. No one wants to be a hypocrite. You don't sign up to be one, and at the base level, the last thing you want to do is to do that very thing that you are speaking out against, or even worse, condemning someone else for doing. Just thinking about the idea of having someone call you a hypocrite, And realizing that they're right, just thinking about that, might send a shiver up your spine, like, I don't want to be that type of person. It's just so undesirable. Now, in our journey through the book of Luke so far, we've seen a lot about Jesus. We started with his conception, and we've seen through that conception to the miracles that we've seen this underlying, overarching message in the book of Luke, And that is that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that Scripture has been pointing to since the fall of man into sin. He's the promised one that has been hoped for, the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. As we have seen, this identity is being confirmed for us by the fulfillment of prophecy. We saw that right away at the beginning of Luke. And then we see the miracles. And this is all a way of Luke telling us who Jesus is. This is what he's spelling out for us. And so the idea that we've been feeling here in Luke is that Jesus is all of these things. He's all of this. And so because he is those things, because he is the Messiah, because he is God incarnate, because he's the one who's been promised, well then what Jesus has to say should have some authority in our lives if he's the Messiah, and if he's in fact God in human flesh, then the words that he has to say should carry a whole lot of weight for us, should it not? And so Luke has given us this clear understanding of the identity of Jesus. And for the last few weeks, we've seen specific statements now from Jesus as we've been reading some of his teaching, and not just about who he is, We've been hearing some hard teachings, things that are hard for us to hear. You know, Jesus is not stepping up to the microphone here to tell the people, you're wonderful, you're good just the way you are, and your enemies, they're terrible. Don't be like them. You're just great. That's not at all what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not throwing out simple platitudes here that will... Put on desk calendars someday. There's a lot of stuff here that's really hard. These aren't things that he has to say that give us warm, fuzzy feelings. Instead, they're difficult statements. Statements that convict us of areas of sin in our lives. So let's review some of these statements, just in case we've forgotten them. As good as some of them sound, they are hard. Blessed are the poor. Well, I don't want to be poor. Blessed are the hungry. I don't want to be hungry. Blessed are those who weep. I don't want to mourn. Blessed are those, blessed are you when people hate you. I would much rather be popular. And those tough sayings are just, those are just the ones about being blessed, right? Then then Jesus got to these woes that he pronounced on the people. These are even more difficult. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. Woe to you who laugh. Woe to you when people speak well of you. And then if that wasn't hard enough, Jesus doesn't let up. Right away, after these sayings, Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to let someone who strikes us once on one cheek, we're supposed to turn our cheek and have him strike the other side. Yeah, these are hard. And as we get into the passage that we've read for this morning, we're going to find that this may be the most difficult stuff that we've heard from Jesus so far. These statements from Jesus today are against judging, against hypocrisy. And they can cut us deep, and it's important that we humbly come to God's Word today. And we allow the Spirit to convict us of areas of sin and unbelief in our lives. These are hard sayings. So as we dive into these six verses, I'm going to break them down into three sections for us to help us work our way through and and apply them. So the first thing we see is that Jesus speaks of judgment and forgiveness. The, The first part of this section, or the equivalent from the Gospel of Matthew... This might be one of the most quoted verses in our modern times. Judge not, right? And it's important then that we take some time and we dwell on what Jesus is saying here. And we also need to dwell on what he's not saying. Secondly, we take a look at the advice of Jesus on who we are to follow. We're to be discerning on who we allow to influence, on who we allow to shape us in our life. And finally, we see Jesus speaking on hypocrisy. Now, it's easy for us to see the failures in others, right? But Jesus tells us to ensure that we take care of ourselves before we worry about what other people are doing. So, as I mentioned, these are difficult sayings, and we know that they truly apply to the areas that you and I struggle with in our lives. And so, May the Holy Spirit humble our hearts today and work in us as we look at these passages and we evaluate ourselves in light of these words from Jesus. So as we land in verses 37 and 38, we find that famous statement, judge not. Now, as I mentioned, that's been used at length to comment on all kinds of things that people are are challenged on, right? Right? I'm guessing that most of us have either said it or thought it or had someone say it to us. But there's something that springs to mind as we read that, right? Isn't there a level at which we are called by God to judge? Are we not called to be discerning of false teaching? In fact, Jesus is going to say something about that a couple of verses down. Should we not speak to areas of sin? that we see a sister or a brother in Christ trapped in? Aren't we called to say something about these things? So as I considered this simple two-word statement during the week, I really dwelled on how loaded the idea of judgment has become and just how offended we become when someone challenges us. Who are you to judge me springs up really easily in our minds, as we become defensive, and chances are those words even come out of our mouths. We don't just think, who are you to judge me? We, we may even say it out loud. While our culture has forgotten or explained away many of the laws of God and the commands of Jesus, this statement by Jesus has risen to the top. Even those who would deny the authority of Jesus to speak to how we're to live they have no problem quoting these words. When Jesus said these words, they were not intended to tell us to never, ever, under no circumstance, ever, never, never judge. Because parents must evaluate the behavior of their children. And we must judge in in ourselves how we best do appropriate discipline over those things, right? Employers do well to evaluate the performance of their employees and to keep them on track and to help them be successful. Elders, well, they do well, and they do their best to shepherd a pastor and to shepherd the members of a congregation to live a godly and sanctified life. We need to take a look at how people are living. We need to assess these things. So how do we understand this statement from Jesus, then. Jesus tells us not to judge, absolutely. And as we think about this, we need to remember that so much of what Jesus teaches us is about considering the nature of what's in our hearts. What is our reason in evaluating the actions of someone else? Are we finding joy in our hearts, catching them in sin? Are we closed off from the idea that we're all sinners? ourselves included and we and we need God's grace. Do we think that somehow you and I are not susceptible to falling into sin and doing the same offense that we're judging someone else for? And the real question is, do we have a judgmental spirit at work in us? Are we jumping to conclusions about the intentions of the heart of someone else? Are we assuming the worst in other people? I'm guessing you're feeling what I'm driving at here this morning. We're not to have a judgmental attitude that finds joy in telling others how they should act or behave. We want to have a heart that's like the heart of Jesus. We want to have a heart for those who struggle. Jesus speaks harshly to the Pharisees at times. But do we think that he had a judgmental spirit? Of course not. He's calling them to repent because their hearts are in the wrong place. Even when they were telling people to follow God's law, their hearts were bitter. Their hearts were aggressive towards the people that they were talking to. We're not to walk around looking for opportunities to clobber people with how they should believe, how they should act. Jesus is saying that we're called to love others. And having a judgmental heart, that isn't loving anyone. If I have a judgmental spirit, I am not loving that person that I am talking to, am I? And so we're, we are not to be quick to condemn, Jesus said, but instead we are to show mercy and realize that we also have areas of sin in our lives that we need to be, we need to be putting to death just as much as anyone else. And we also see that Jesus says that if we don't do this, we will not be judged. In other words, if we don't approach people with a judgmental spirit, they will likely not do the same thing to us, and that is a good thing, because chances are, we have all faced that very uncomfortable moment when we're called out for something, and, well, we got an oh yeah well, what about what you did? That happens. And that's painful, whether it's something we're saying to someone else and they call us to the carpet like that, or if it goes the other direction, that is a painful interaction between people who are supposed to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so what does Jesus do here? Jesus encourages us to have a humble heart and to be long-suffering in our treatment of one another. And he says that our patience with others will be repaid in patience from others. And so Jesus also connects this with condemnation. He connects this with forgiveness. Don't have a spirit of condemnation towards others and people will not return that attitude to you. But Jesus Jesus doesn't just leave this in the negative, does he? He says if you forgive, if you do something positive towards someone else, if you forgive others, you will be forgiven, he says. If you give people will give to you. And I think that if we were to pull the congregation here today, we would probably say that we can think of times when these principles that Jesus is talking about today have been true in our lives. And that they are a fantastic standard for the way we should live. When we've shown charity to others, what happened? They're charitable to us. When we've been harsh with other people, Chances are, they've responded in kind. I'm guessing most of us might even have some examples of how this is true just from the past week. In other words, this is true because Jesus says it, obviously. But what Jesus is saying here is a verifiable truth in our daily lives, is it not? How we measure is going to come back to us. And so... May we hear these words of Jesus, and as we heard him say in our passage last week, may we do unto others as we want them to be done to us. That's the principle at work here, that same principle from last time. So the wisdom of Jesus is not limited just to this idea. He, He takes a moment to give us a short parable here in this passage as we move on to our second point and we see who we should follow and how we should be trained. Now, this short parable is a good one, and it's used widely in our culture. We we know what would happen if we blindfolded two people and told one of them to lead the other to the other side of town, right? That would not end well. Two blindfolded people trying to find a spot, uh, they wouldn't know which direction is which, They wouldn't know what obstacles were in their way. Something as simple as a curb could be a disaster, right? They could get seriously hurt. If we gave someone this challenge today, gave two people perfectly blindfolded and sent them out and told them to go to a certain spot in town, we would not go there and wait for them. That would be a fool's errand. It would be a waste of our time. People who cannot see will not find their way together. So once again, Jesus tells us something that's observably true for us. And I don't mean two blindfolded people can't make their way to the other side of town. That's not what I'm saying. If someone who doesn't know the correct path, and there's two people who don't know the correct path, we don't expect that they're going to be able to lead people down the correct path, right? We don't expect that this is going to end well if they don't, aren't able to see The truth of God's Word, if they're blind to it. And so right here, there comes a very humbling thought for those who are in a position of authority. Whether we are parents, elders, a pastor, whatever we are, we need to be certain that we are not blind to what we need to know. We need to work on being educated and aware of what is set before us Because being in a position of authority means that we have the potential to lead others into a pit. If we don't understand the gravity of what we're doing, we do not want to lead someone who is blind and be blind ourselves. Like I said, parents, teachers, employers, elders, pastors, and all those in positions of authority, we need to take what Jesus has to say here to heart. And Jesus calls his disciples here to follow him. Because he is not blind. He says that they are not above their teacher. They are to follow him. Any student is not above the one teaching them. They need to desire to be fully trained and to have the patience and humility to follow until they are like their teacher. And that should cause us all to stop and evaluate ourselves. We've received the mercy of God by his grace We acknowledge that he has saved us from his wrath by the shed blood of Jesus and he has brought us salvation through the gift of faith that we've been given. But are we disciples who are following the master? Because Jesus is not a blind guide. He is our great teacher, our God and king and his his word shows us how we're to live. Are we subjecting ourselves to his teaching? Are we running around life with a blindfold on, ignoring where our wise teacher is leading us to go? Are we like our teacher? That is a hard question to ask ourselves because we all have areas that we've not fully subjected to the lordship of Jesus, our teacher. We all can find areas of our lives where we are blind to what we've been called to do, but we're called to be like Our teacher. And so, this is precisely why we must always be in a position to hear the Word of God. That is what it means. That's what it means to hear and follow our teacher. This is the means by which God works in us. This is how the Holy Spirit convicts us of areas of sin and unbelief in our lives. If we want to be like our teacher, We have to hear His Word. We have to strive to put ourselves under it. We need to be discipled and disciplined in His Holy Word. We will not become like our teacher by waking up one morning and suddenly, poof, we feel holy. Poof, we're sanctified. Poof, we're like Jesus. That's not how it works. God works through the means of His Word and the sacraments, and it's a process process that requires that we daily take up our cross and follow him. And so may we trust that the word that we hear and the word that we read will take root in us, and may we follow our teacher Jesus and become like him. And as we come to the close of this passage for this week, and we move on to our third point, we see Jesus using a very good parable to address another area of Of concern in our lives. That whole idea I started out with at the beginning, hypocrisy. Now this is a very well-known passage. I spent a lot of time thinking about it this week because it's an excellent illustration, right? I mean, I have no difficulty understanding what Jesus is driving at here, neither do you. In fact, it's actually kind of funny to picture this in our mind's eye, right? I don't know about you, but I just see someone walking around with a log hanging out of their eye and walking up to somebody and say, "Hey, you got some sawdust there? Let, let me help you with it." And you know, of course, I watched a lot of Three Stooges as a kid, so I imagine them turning and hitting people in the head with the log and doing more damage than they possibly do, right? Or possibly would do if they could see. It's an easy illustration to get, and it's also an easy passage to understand. The point Jesus is making isn't even something that I probably have to convince you the truth of even. It's absurd to think that that me with a log in my eye should be able to help you take a speck out of your eye. It, It just isn't going to work out well. We understand this illustration. We understand this parable. And so here we have ourselves in a Bible passage that A, is really easy to understand, and B, Everyone can see that it's something that we should do. We understand it, and we get it. Yet actually doing this is really, really hard. We all know we shouldn't be a hypocrite. We all know that we should remove the log from our eye, but it's really, really hard. None of us wants to be a hypocrite. We don't want to be that person Digging out of tweezers to get a piece of sawdust out of someone else's eye while we're walking around with a two-by-four dangling out of our eye socket. None of us wants to be that person. None of us. So the distance here between intellectual assent and understanding of this passage and actually doing it is a huge gap. So what do you and I do about it? We need to be sure that we are honestly evaluating our lives and making sure that we are striving to keep God's law. In other words, we need to be considering whether or not I have a log in my eye. That's not fun. And we need to be careful here that we pay attention to something that Jesus says here. Notice that his answer for this problem is not never ever at all Help someone with the speck that's in their eye, because, because our natural answer to the problem of hypocrisy would be to say that we're never going to say anything to anyone. We'll just keep our mouth shut. That way, I don't ever have to be called a hypocrite. I'm never going to say, "See uh, my brother or sister in Christ struggling with something." I'm never going to say anything because they might call me out. But that's not what after. That's not what Jesus is after here, is it? Notice what he says. He says, first, take care of the log in your eye, and then you can help someone else remove the speck. Take care of yourself so that you can help others. As we think about what Jesus is saying, doesn't that fit with what he's been driving at all along here in the Sermon on the Plain? He's been concerned with the heart of those who would judge, those who would condemn. That's what his concern is. If we are taking care of our own struggles and freely acknowledging the difficulty that we have with them, then you and I are going to have a forgiving and a caring heart that will desire to truly help someone who is entrapped in sin. We won't judge as Jesus tells us not to because we know that God has set us free from that sin. We will not condemn because we understand that God did not condemn us, but instead through the Word and the Spirit, He brought us to repentance. We've been freed. We've been set free. Not because we have figured it out, because we're better, because we can do it, but because God has done it through us by giving us His Word and His Spirit and the forgiveness of Christ. Jesus is concerned with our hearts. He wants us to love others. We have to understand His grace that has first been shown to us so that we can show grace to others. When we truly understand God's grace, our natural response becomes to love other people. And so it's so important that we take the words of Jesus here and we take them to heart and we evaluate our lives in the hope that when the Spirit works in us, we're not just going to keep our mouths shut, and we won't be judgmental, but we can help others who are struggling with sin. And so as we come to the end of this passage and we consider what we can take away from it, I really see that there are two things that I think we should dwell on this week as we desire to live holy lives. The first thing, I believe that it's absolutely, absolutely vital that we do not follow blind guides. There are so many voices in the world that are very willing to lead us down paths that lead to our destruction. Our fallen world is filled with traps, it's filled with pits that you and I can fall into very easily. And the voice of our teacher in his word is the only way that we can be ensured that we will not fall into them. And be taken captive by them. It's so important that we stop and think about who we are following and who we are letting lead us in this life. And this is hard because there are so many voices that can lead us astray. And those voices don't jump out and say, hey, I'm blind, I'm leading you into a pit. And so we have to be discerning. And so, because we're blind ourselves, we desperately need to know the voice of our Savior. And we do that by knowing His Word. And so when someone speaks and tries to lead us, we will know whether they sound like Jesus or whether they are leading us astray. So may we seek to know God's Word so that we might clearly know the voice of our teacher and follow him faithfully. And secondly, we are called to have a loving heart. And Jesus gives us a picture in this passage of what this looks like. It's not that we don't ever try to help someone who is in error or try to keep them from going down the wrong path. Jesus clearly believes that his disciples are to help others and help them on the correct path. How we do that in love is by first seeking to confront the issues in our own lives first. Because this leads us to humility. This allows us to be the type of guide who has had their eyes opened. When we, are, when we have our eyes open to our own problems, we are able to love others. And we do this as we daily strive to be like our teacher, as we daily take up our cross and try to follow him. The best way that you and I can remove the hypocrisy from our lives is to desire to be like Jesus because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so instead of following a blind guide, through his word, may we take our teacher by the hand and learn from him because he will not lead us astray Instead, he leads us us on paths of faith, on paths of righteousness. He leads us into life everlasting. So may we know the voice of our teacher, and may we follow him, trusting that he is the one who loves us and leads us in paths of righteousness. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Edgerton First Reformed. For more information on First Reformed, navigate to our website edgertonfrc.org or our Facebook page.